Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. If you're a business owner, work in corporate, or have a side hustle you're passionate about, you're going to want to stick around because I promise to ask the tough questions and talk about the things others shy away from. You know, what it's really like to own a business and be chronically ill. I'm going to give you that push you need towards following your dreams and be the friend you come back to week after week to talk about the real things in life and in business. If you have goals and are working towards them, if you're determined to be successful, no matter what life's obstacles get in the way, this podcast is for you. Dream big and tune in. Welcome back to the Sick and Successful Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Supez. In today's episode, I want to open up to you guys a little bit about postpartum anxiety. So this one is tough for me because it's something I've been struggling with for exactly two years now. It was my daughter's birthday a couple days ago and (sighs) postpartum anxiety was something that no one ever talked to me about. So I think it's really important to talk to you guys about it. I heard a lot about postpartum depression when going into labor or prior to even having my daughter when getting pregnant. A lot of people talk about it. Postpartum depression is something that I feel in the time we're living in has been talked about more and more and is becoming more and more of a conversation women talk to each other about and less stigmatized. And my husband knew about it and we talked about it together and what we would do if that happened, etc, etc. But something I've never heard about was postpartum anxiety and I didn't realize it was a separate thing in and of itself. So the reason it came into my mind to talk to you guys about this today is because my daughter has transitioned into her big girl bed. So two days ago for her birthday, she got a big girl bed from her great grandma and grandpa. And we decided to set it up because she was having horrible sleeps in her crypt. Normally she's a good sleeper. Typically she's a good sleeper. And recently for like four nights, she was waking up a bunch of times and she would end up coming to my bed. And so we decided to set up the big girl bed. And the first night she fell out of the big girl bed twice. So I will get to the postpartum anxiety stuff, but I am like a fanatic about safe sleep. It's just like, she didn't come and sleep with me in my bed until a few months ago, really, like for an overnight period. And that was at the trailer where there really wasn't any other options at the time. And so her bed, her big girl bed is two feet away from both walls, but she has a pretty small room and she is close to both walls. So if we put her against one wall, I heard some horror stories and about toddlers specifically, and you don't want them up against a wall unless the bed is secured to the wall, blah, blah, blah. And so she's in the middle. And so she fell down both times and she hit her head on the wall one one time. And so my husband put our couch cushions beside her bed on both sides. But that's another thing they tell you not to do because the kid can get like stuck between them. In this case, the couch cushions were literally like touching the bed and touching the wall. So there really wasn't any way for her to get stuck in between them. But it wasn't uh, something I wanted to do long term. So that next morning, we went out and got a carpet for her. We set the carpet up and it's like a really thick carpet. So she has lots of cushion and we put her in the bed and she didn't fall out at all that night. So we're like, yay, we did it. Second night, perfect. She slept through the whole night minus one quick wake up. Well, fast forward to last night, she fell out of bed at around midnight and I was still kind of falling asleep, dazing, watching YouTube, my guilty pleasure. 
And I had set up a new Wi-Fi camera in her room. So typically I didn't like Wi-Fi cameras, but our other camera broke. I had one on the side. I set it up. So it was on my phone and I just heard a huge, loud, just bang. I'm wondering if I could somehow insert the clip into the YouTube video. So you podcast listeners, I'm going to do my best to get that YouTube clip, although it's honestly traumatizing to watch. And it is the whole reason I'm making this YouTube video slash podcast because I literally threw my AirPod out of my ear and around to her room, which is just across the hall. Like we live in a smaller house and it was just across the hall, like five steps away. And I ran to her room and the poor girl's sitting there, like kind of sitting on the ground with her legs on the bed and her head up against the wall like she fell poof and hit her poor little head on the wall and I feel like just the newborn days flashed before my eyes like I was so stressed for her she was fine she like cried I hugged her a bit and she literally asked to go back to bed and I was like losing my mind my husband came in I'm like I don't know what to like I can't just let her sleep do I take her to my bed but that's not safe and We decided to move the bed in a different direction. So now, I don't know why we didn't think about this before. So her bed was in the middle of the room with the two kind of, it's like a rectangle room. But her bed was in the middle of the room with the rectangle walls this way. And now we moved the bed the other way. I'm not good at directions, you guys. We moved the bed the other way. So now the walls are further away from her. And it's really more so carpet, carpet on both sides. I'm honestly kicking myself for not thinking about that sooner. Maybe my husband did and I didn't listen to him. I don't know. But anyways, that's the way it is now. After she fell, she was literally sleeping and we moved to the bed. She actually woke up during the night and I didn't know because I eventually fell asleep and she fell out. She fell out kind of like just with her feet, like her feet fell out. But she sat on her bum on the carpet, looked around and got back into bed and went to sleep. So I saw that in the morning on this new camera and it like records incidents when they're louder. And so it made me think of the newborn years and how bad I struggle to this day with postpartum anxiety. And I really wanted to talk to you about it because that's what we do here, right? We talk about the things others don't talk about and I open up and share my feelings to you. And that's what I wanted to do today. So let's start with birth. (laughs) I'm not going to go into the whole labor blog, which, or I mean, you know what I'm talking about labor podcast, which I have meant to do for the last two years. I don't know if I ever did one, but I wrote a blog about it. So I can link that. It's in my doula's blog. Um, I can link that in the show notes below. But I never sat down and recorded an episode about it because of my postpartum anxiety. Like it has been crippling, honestly, especially through the first six months. I was so excited for birth. So let's start there. I was so excited for birth. I am one of those people that research everything. And I, at first I was like, I don't want to know. I'm just going to go into it blindly. It's going to be great. And then my like researcher brain turned on and I started researching. I was like, I need a doula. I need to do this naturally. I want to know everything. So I started reading books. I read a few really amazing books that got me so excited for a natural birth. So I had, you know, a birth plan or a birth set of hopes and wishes planned out. I have a chronic illness, as you guys know, so I have Crohn's disease. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to have an at-home birth or a water birth or, you know, anything like that or a birth with a midwife. So my doctor was aware, number one, of my PTSD when it comes to IVs. She was aware of my medical history. She was aware of how set I was on going natural. So I felt like empowered to go into this situation. I was 42 weeks 
and they were getting antsy to induce me. And I was going for an ultrasound every two days at this point. I'm 42 weeks pregnant because they wanted to make sure everything was okay because I wasn't going into labor naturally, which is actually normal BT dubs for your first baby. But anyways, on the second day, so I went on Monday for on my, I think it was like 41 weeks and five days or something. And then I went on Monday. Everything was great. It was quick. I was in and out on Wednesday, I believe. I went in again. And this time I like brought my protein shake with me. I left it in the car. I parked in like a two hour parking. I thought I was going to be in and out. I brought nothing with me. My bag was half unpacked, my labor bag, because I was using stuff because I was like living out of that bag thinking I was going to the hospital. It was half unpacked. Stuff was all over the house because I was sure I was going to be okay. Well, Alicia wasn't moving in my belly. And that was around the time of day where she normally didn't move and she was okay. But during the ultrasound, they sent me to labor and delivery to be checked again. They put on this strap and they were monitoring me and checking me and everything turned out to be okay. But an intern, I think that's what they're called, like a doctor shadower, like a person who's going to be a doctor, but isn't, are they an intern? I think so came to check me. And what she did, she accidentally broke my water, which the jury's still out, in my opinion, if she did that on purpose or not. But she broke my water. It was like in the movies. It was everywhere. Stephen was rushing. I'm calling. Like he's bringing my my bag and the camera and all these things. I had the intentions to film this as a vlog. Didn't happen. There's like small clips, but didn't happen. (laughs) So she broke my water. And I, at that point, I know there's a clock ticking. There's 24 hours from when your water breaks to risk of like infections and stuff like that to the baby needing to be out. So I'm like, okay, so what's the plan? So my husband gets there and we start like, you know, we're excited. We start filming some videos and calling and it's like, it's happening. She's going to be here within 24 hours. And we end up going to eat and we get sent up to a doctor's room. And the doctor's like, Kate, put her on Pitocin. And I was like, absolutely not. Like I tell the nurse, I'm like, I'm not going on Pitocin. I am trying uh, this first, this first, that first. I didn't, I don't know the names right now because I'm not, I don't know the names right now because I, it's not fresh in my memory. It was two years ago. But then the nurse looks at me. She's like, are you a nurse? And I'm like, no. She's like, okay, well, if you're not getting induced, then you shouldn't have been admitted into a room. I'm like, okay, then don't admit me into a room. Anyways, the doctor came in. We had a good conversation. He agreed to try a few things before induction. And then the IV guy came in. And I had told everyone, I need an ultrasound machine to find the IVs on my veins. Because I am such a hard poke that they have poked me 24 times before. 25 times. They've poked me in my ankles. Like, it's bad. It's it's really hard for me to find a vein. Plus, I'm probably dehydrated because I'm in like, like all of these things. So this guy's like, no, I don't use ultrasound machines. And I was like, okay, well, what the heck? Like, I usually go to that same hospital for my infusions where there's a guy who uses an ultrasound machine, but he wasn't on at the time. And so he's like, I'm going to go in your hand right here. And I was like, absolutely not. The hand, the veins in the top of my hand pop all the time. And I am not going to allow you to use that. And so he started literally trying to fight me. Like, he's like, if you don't do it in the hand, then later we, if we try there in your arm and then we try in your hand, it's not going to work. And we're going to have to put a IV in your neck. And I literally had a full blown panic attack. Like, (laughs) and I asked the nurse, I'm like, he needs to get out. He needs to leave. And my husband told him off and he left the room. And I told her, I'm like, I'm not getting an IV with from him, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, she talked me into letting him try saying he was the best one in the hospital. But I said, if he asks to do the top of my hand, one more time, he gets like he's out and he gets two chances on my arm. Like, that's it. And so anyways, he came in, he got an IV, I believe first try on the top of my arm. 
Thank God, because if he would have gone in my hand, that would have been the worst labor ever. So fast forward, um, labor is not progressing. They have to induce me at like two in the morning or something. And then they, that it goes really, really quickly. I have insane back labor. It takes a really, really long time because I ate quite early, like quite not close to the induction. I'm going to the bathroom all the time and maybe my Crohn's. I didn't get an epidural. I didn't want any pain medication. Nearing the end, I did have some fentanyl as well as I tried the ox, the laughing gas once, but had a panic attack from that as well. I had to push for three hours. I got two black eyes and a bunch of popped blood vessels in my eyes because I was pushing with my face. But I know that sounds traumatic, but honestly, it was an amazing experience. Like it doesn't sound like it from what I said, but truly like I look back and it's just like, that was, I I have some photos of when she was born and I have just the biggest smile on my face. Like the moment that she was put on my stomach makes me want to cry. It was just like a whole different world opening up and just such an amazing, and I'm sitting there with these big swollen eyes and cloths on my face and just looking like a mess and just so happy because I did it. I had her medication free like some fentanyl but you guys if you know you know that doesn't numb anything or just like takes the edge off a back labor which felt like someone was kicking me with a steel toe boot over and over for 24 hours but I did it and she was there and it was the most phenomenal thing ever from that moment on my anxiety spiked and it continued to spike and spike so the first six months of her life honestly are a very big blur for me I look back at pictures and I remember things, but like just thinking, I don't because my anxiety was so bad that especially about SIDS, but in general of her dying was so bad that I could not sleep if she was sleeping. So I would never let her sleep alone while we were sleeping, even if she was in a bassinet right beside us. For the first like month at least, Stephen and I slept in our living room, which is a section or yeah, a sectional couch. So it's like an L-shaped couch. We slept on each side of the couch and she slept in a bassinet in front of us, but I still couldn't sleep. So I would stay awake until he woke up and then I would sleep for like two hours and wake up again. Or my mom would come very often and she was watching her lots too so that we could sleep. But even then I was half awake, worried and like just stressed. And I had a real struggle with breastfeeding as well. Maybe that's a whole different podcast and, and YouTube video, but that added to the anxiety and to the stress about her because my Crohn's disease, I really wanted to her to be breastfed. So I was breastfeeding, I was pumping, she was getting donor milk from a close friend of mine, and she was drinking formula. So like, it was stressful. And I remember very clearly a situation that sticks out in my mind and that I've talked a lot in therapy about is... A lot of the times when you hear about postpartum depression, you hear about women like wanting to drive off a bridge, right? You hear that, like it's, I feel like I've heard that quite often. But in my case, I was driving down a bridge to get to her doctor appointment. And there was no thoughts of me wanting to drive off the bridge. The thought was, I was driving down a bridge near like kind of like a park area. If you're in Winnipeg, it was uh, the Forks. But I was driving down it and I look over and there's people walking and there's a mom walking in in uh, with a crib or with a stroller. And I look over and my first thought is, what if that was me and Alicia walking? What if that was me and Alicia walking and some really crazy person came and pushed her off of the edge of the bridge? Not me, but her. Like if someone like a 
it, it's not the best area of town. Like there's stabbings there often, but it is also a tourist attraction. It's like a weird place in our city. But that was my thought. Like, what if someone pushes her over the, I'm not, she's not in a stroller on the bridge. She's in the backseat of my car. I'm driving. But in that moment, it was so real to me that someone could push her off a bridge and she could die. And I felt it in my body, the feeling of what if I lost her? I wouldn't survive. I couldn't survive if I lost her. And so that's just one example, but those were reoccurring thoughts every single day. So I would see people post on Facebook groups that I was a part of and these traumatic stories. And and I would read stories about SIDS and I would read about safe sleeping patterns. And I would read about every single thing and I'd be up all night reading. And then like, I just, my mind would never stop about what if I lost her? What if I lost her? What What would I do? And honestly, two years later, it has quieted down quite a bit. Like I can sleep at night, but it is still a constant thought. Like I couldn't do it without her. And so that makes everything really hard. Like when she's playing at the play structure, I want to go ahead and let her have fun. But my first thought is she can fall off of there. And what if she falls off of there and hits her head here? And what if this and what if that? And like, it's hard to have this balance between a mom who wants her, let her kid live life and have fun and play versus like postpartum anxiety, which controls my brain thinking like protect her from dying. Like literally this kid wants to climb up all walls, all everything. She has a bit of a swollen black eye right now because she was climbing around with my husband downstairs and accidentally hit her eye on like a little protein container. Like they're so, (laughs) it's just so hard. And so seeing her hit her head last night just was this like like rush of like, I can't control this anxiety. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about things that I've done to make it more manageable and more bearable, um, as well as some support systems that I've, I've used and that really help and some things that don't help in case you're watching this and maybe you're pregnant or maybe you, you struggle with the same thing. I'll let you know some things I did. I told my OBGYN in the like six week visit or whatever postpartum visit, and she suggested putting me on SSRIs, I believe. So they're like anxiety depression pills, but I wasn't ready to go that route. I didn't honestly know how bad it was in that moment either. I don't know if I should have or if I shouldn't have, if they would have helped. I'm really weary about medications because of my Crohn's disease, which you guys can go watch some other videos about side effects that I've had from Crohn's disease and medication. So I didn't want to jump on that path, but she entered me into a research study that one of the hospitals in our city was having where it's almost like therapy, but in group sessions with other moms that are really struggling with postpartum anxiety or depression. And so I I agreed to be part of this research study and that almost spiked my anxiety more because when they start the research study, they ask you all of these really intrusive questions for like two hours. Like, how many times have you thought about not wanting to be here? How many times have you thought about doing this? How many times have you thought about that? How, like intrusive questions that really spiraled my brain. None of, I didn't really have those thoughts, but it was just like, ah, like this is bad, you know? And so then those meetings were great-ish. They, they had homework for us. It was quite quick. It was like a six-week group. But the good part of that is I'm still in contact with those women today and I love them dearly. I just ran into one at Winners the other day and just seeing her like made my heart so happy. So in those deep, deep struggle moments, having a support of four other women, four, three, three other women who really understood what I was going through, like to the depths was... I can't even explain. So finding a group or even another person who has the same thing as you do is really helpful. 
I also had a larger Facebook group of other moms who had kids at the exact same time as me. So in around the same month as Alicia was born, that was really helpful because in the middle of the nights when I was spiraling, I'd be able to talk to them and a lot of them would be up. And then another thing that I did a little a little further on was I went to therapy on my own. I went to see a psychotherapist and we did some EMDR. We really discussed those thoughts and how to acknowledge them thank them for being there and trying to protect us, but just let them go. And that thoughts aren't actions and thoughts aren't meaning that's what we want to do or that's what's going to happen. It's literally just a thought. It's our brain wiring the wrong way because of hormones or whatever. And we can continue on with what we're, you know, our day-to-day lives. And that was really helpful for me to separate the thoughts with my day-to-day life. Uh, And another thing that helped with that is not really talking to people who don't understand. So I can mention like, oh, I have anxiety about that, but I'm not going to go into depth with a person who doesn't understand anxiety to the extent that I have it because they'll say something like, oh, don't worry about that or it's not going to happen and that's okay. Well, yeah, I know that too, trust me, but that doesn't stop the feeling of like my heart racing and my body sweating and my like all of the inside effects, right? And so when someone says, oh, it's, does, don't worry about that. Like, why are you worrying about that? It makes it worse. So I try not to even open up when it, when it's in a situation like that. And then I will go to someone who does struggle with the same thing or someone who I can speak to and kind of let go there and not keep it in, not keep it within me. Another thing that that really helps me to this day is realizing that I'm not alone And so even though I'm two years in and uh, I still struggle with quite a bit of postpartum anxiety, I know I'm not the only one and I have people in my corner that still struggle in the same way and we are managing it together and I know that like just because I am overly cautious or because my brain is overly cautious and that I'm constantly worried doesn't mean that anything bad's going to happen. And I think like for a while, because I am a little bit of a superstitious person and I believe in the universe and I believe in putting out the thoughts that you want to attract, for a while there, I thought, well, if I'm thinking this all the time, isn't that what's going to happen? Like I'm going to manifest bad things. And I realized like, no, I'm not thinking this. These thoughts are passing through my brain. It's not something I want. It's not something I'm focusing on. It's not something I wish to come true. It's not something I'm speaking into life. It's just my body and extra hormones and my brain wiring in the way that it's wiring. And what I can do is manage it the best that I can. And that's it. And it doesn't have to be something that stresses me out on a day-to-day basis all the time. I can have things I do to help manage it. So I hope that was able to help you a little bit. I know that it's something that's so hard and that honestly, like even some of my best friends don't even know to the extent that I struggle with this because it's another invisible illness, right? Mental health is invisible. Anxiety for sure can be invisible, uh, just like anything else. So being open about it, sharing about it when you feel like it with people who you feel like it and finding others in your community. If you need support, if you want someone to talk to, my DMs are always open. You can comment in the YouTube video. You can send me a DM on Instagram. If this helped you at all, I would love to hear that. And I just appreciate you. Remember, dream big, it's possible for you and your next version of success is around the corner. 